what's actually thick that's good for deer habitat or what's mm -hmm. just garbage garbage yeah what's you know what do you look for what's the difference what one really comes in at cedars eastern red cedar and a lot of times you hear man though that's that's bedding that's cover over there but have you ever like laid down on the ground under a cedar all the and time when it's cold out this winter it's cold this segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, powered by DeerCast. This is episode number 246. You're Matt Drury. <laughs> You're Tim Chelsvik. We're breathless this morning. <laughs> we're so excited. Yeah. Deer season's over, That's and we're thinking about like land uh, land management yeah. and uh, getting some stuff done out on the properties. Yeah, it's hitting real close to home for me because I got a new property to try to figure out. So this is going to be part selfish <laughs> in the questions that I <laughs> yeah, asked. I got today. a question for a friend. Yeah, because <laughs> so so we'll tease this. We've got Daniel Millette from Growing Deer TV. The brains behind the operation. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are like, Dr. Grant Woods, he's, you know, he's, he's a doctor. He's so smart. He's a learned doctor. Dang it, where's the, where's the but really, Dang. Daniel is the wind beneath his wings. Ah. This is a house of learned doctors. There you go. Daniel probably has an honorary PhD. I, you know, it's like hanging out with like Mark and Terry, the, you know, Wade and Forrest and those guys. Before long, Perry, before long, you have like learning by diffusion. Yeah, 400 level, you know, dear knowledge. So I guarantee you it's the same for Daniel with Dr. Grant Woods and Dr. Daniel Millette. But before <laughs> we get to Dr. Millette, we're, this is probably wrong. We shouldn't be assigning no. doctors <laughs> to people, but maybe we can. I don't know. You know, my I, initials are MD, so. Dude, that's true. You know, Mark, that's so true. You're right. I could be a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> that's all you need, right? College was a blur. <laughs> Only, yeah, I'm screwed. Yeah. I can't do anything about nope. that. <laughs> well, uh, we want to say hello to our newest Rack Pack members. All right. So we got Keegan Lake, Vincino, Honorado. <laughs> <laughs> I always got loud. I'm a, you can start reading these. Vince, well, where's the fun Vince. of that? <laughs> Vinny. Scott Smith. There's one I can pronounce. <laughs> Pooley Ripaw, <laughs> Jeremy Capper, Tanner Fike, and Mike Otis. I'm going with Pooley Ripaw as the fake name. Yeah, I would guess Jeremy Capper, mm. but maybe they're both fake. Maybe. Who knows? And then over on Apple Podcasts, Dr. Al C., another doctor. This is a house of learned doctors. It really is today. And this one believes that this is a great podcast. He says, I really enjoy listening to the podcast, especially the soundboard when the stepbrother quotes come out. <laughs> Keep doing what you guys are doing and don't listen to the haters. Did we just become best friends? Yep. yep. There you go, Dr. Al C. Thank you. All right. I wonder if he's really a doctor or he just did that so I would hit the doctor, the house of learned doctors. <laughs> it could be. That's like some meta <laughs> line of thinking. But I, if he is a doctor, I wonder what kind of doctor he is. If you're in the rack pack, let us know. I think about the Seinfeld episode where Kramer's, uh, he got the license plate. This is <laughs> Aspen. Yes. <laughs> he's a, a proctologist. Proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, for all you young guys out there listening, get, go go to Netflix and watch some some uh, Seinfeld episodes. It'll do you well. It's better than Grat Five. Yeah. All right. Ah. Okay. So, Daniel, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, Daniel, did Grant give you a title, or do you just kind of do everything that just needs to be done? <laughs> I wish I had a title sometimes, because then I could be a little more focused. I, yeah, I, I kind of do a little bit of everything. All other duties well, yeah, as assigned. In the field, on the production side, a little bit of everything. I'm going I'm to bring you in on a little secret. Tim is the editor-in-chief of DeerCast, and that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Tim does it all as well. <laughs> Scott, Scott's a social media guy that's also a farming uh, guy. That's also a carpenter, an electrician. We bleed uh, out. Yeah, I mean, it's... When you're, you know, in this industry, all these, you know, companies are so small that basically you get, once you're in, you're in it for everything. You got to do everything. So, uh, part of being a great team, just jumping in. That's right. Yep. So, so maybe if folks aren't familiar with Growing Deer TV, first get out from under a rock, but then Daniel, could you explain a little bit about like the philosophy, what you guys do? Because it's. It's really, it's hunting, it, it's, it's hunting content, but I think there's kind of a deeper and a different angle that you guys take that's unique. Yeah, our, our team's mission is to help others enjoy creation, and, and creation's not just hunting. That, that's one part of it. It's, it's the habitat work. It's, it's just getting outside on a walk, maybe you're looking for sheds or whatnot, um, and just taking it all in, seeing the wonder and, and the beauty all around us. And, and that's really our mission as a team. And, and hunting gives us the opportunity to, to share a lot of lessons and to help folks along the way, wherever they are on that spectrum of hunting or land management. So it, this show, and it's, it's one of the deal, like Grant was, I think along with Bill Winky, they were probably the first two you know, to go and do a really an online show, I think, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> online only, which I know are you guys have expanded past that now, right? Are, are you doing some stuff on Pursuit or Sports? Yeah, we're all, no, no, we're on not on TV, but we're on the Roku and Amazon Fire and whatnot. And, yeah. And so different channels like that. So, yeah, we, we've expanded Waypoint TV and whatnot. So, yeah, partnered with other platforms. But it, in general, you guys were kind of one of the originals out there, it, which a lot of, you know, now you look at it and you, you do, you know, YouTube shows. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of content creators in our space and on YouTube and, and doing those things. But Grant and Bill kind of paved the path. And what I like about it is is it's a non-traditional way of looking at it's a TV show without, without being on TV. So there's no constraints, you know, it's, it's, they dive into, like he said, he really helping on the land management side are, you know, kind of like how you do with the wildlife word, 
Grant's always going into some detail on something specific as it pertains to the wildlife mm -hmm. in general and what Changing you know people's it's, it's, lives. yeah it really does though in a, in a sense because there's so many guys like me that really don't know anything about it you know and these guys are actual they're educated in in those fields and mm -hmm. so bringing that information across it's it's huge because they do it in a way that's it's very easy to digest and, and practical yeah and, and and put to use on your own property mm -hmm. no matter how big it is so growing deer tv is in, in another way you could say it's a lie because it's not on tv with that is that <laughs> accurate daniel i guess that's one way to put it yeah <laughs> well thanks for joining us everybody <laughs> I was looking for the soundbite. I may not have this one. You sit on throwing a lie. <laughs> I may not have that one. <laughs> well, and and you guys have contributed uh, to uh, to DeerCast a little bit over the fall and over the summer with some like really incredible content. Uh, we did the Neonic show last spring. You were along for the ride for the Nudnik show. <laughs> but if folks haven't listened to that episode, I really suggest going back and listening. I'll, I'll, pull, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. But just Grant was raising a caution flag about this particular seed coat and what it might be doing to turkeys specifically, but wildlife in general. So like that's kind of one of the, the really interesting things. I know that some DNRs and the Missouri Department of Conservation has taken notice also. So like uh, Dr. Woods is kind of on the bleeding edge of, of research and understanding kind of what's happening at the population level with turkeys. I know that's a, that's a, a hot button issue right now. And so like when you follow growing deer TV, you're getting practical information, not only how to manage your property, but kind of evolving research and what's out there and, and what's to come. And so that's, that's important. I think as uh, we always talk about hunters are such, um, uh, environmentalists and, and focus on conservation. Well, following growing T deer TV gives you like what's coming up and how we can get involved and what's important. Tip of the spear type stuff. Exactly. And, and grants t so tied in to that community and researchers and you know what I mean? So he, he gets, he kind of that first access to a lot of that information and then kind of just disseminates it to the rest of us and dumbs it down for <laughs> exactly. the rest of us. So that, yeah. that's what I find so interesting. Have, have there been any, any updates, Daniel, on that side of things? Cause it's been a few months since we talked to Grant about mm -hmm. that topic. Yeah, it's, it's um, that video and that topic um, just kind of, it got out there and people were talking about it and, and writing emails and, and there's, there was a response and which is great. And, you know, I, I hope that conversation continues, um, you know, in different organizations, um, agencies and whatnot. And, and we can kind of all work together to, you know, start really looking at the research and, and really diving in and seeing, you know, what's going on out there. And neonics was uh, kind of that topic we were looking at, um, that seed coating, which is kind of an insecticide that they put on, on seeds, and um, neonicotoids. And there's, there's research out there on some other critters. Um, so just looking and seeing what's going on with turkeys. Let the record show that both Matt and I pronounced neonics incorrectly mm, yeah take that tim yeah i will 
nutmeg. <laughs> um, Daniel, how did you like? I'm I'm curious. Like, how, how did you end up at Growing Deer TV? How did you meet Grant, and how did you end up working there full time? Yeah, I was actually working out in Colorado with the Division of Wildlife out there, and I was doing a, a prairie dog research program. Mm. And I was originally from northern Missouri, and I kind of figured out prairie dogs was not the, the career path for me. Really? And so, yeah, I know. It was, it was crazy. I heard there's a lot but, of money uh, in prairie dogs. but uh, I know I know some great uh, prairie dog hunting locations. Though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, so kind of, you know, out of college, kind of, you know, realizing, hey, this isn't really the path I wanted to go. I want to get more in the whitetail world. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, just like Matt was saying, it was kind of Bill and, and Grant um, at that time on that digital platform. And I was kind of following both. And I emailed Grant um, while I was out in Colorado and just said, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for. I'm, you know, kind of wanting to get back in the whitetail world and land management. And he said, hey, I've got a fall internship open hmm. and uh sure enough three weeks later i was moving back to missouri and started an internship with grant in the fall and and then he hired me on after that internship program and um i've just been working through the entire you know you know the team and mm -hmm. different steps along the way of the habitat management and and the production side and have just kind of gone through Here we are and him. now you're on our show, which is <laughs> yeah, the zenith of a career. <laughs> That's the low. <laughs> or that. Okay, so you talk about the habitat management side. This We talked a little bit before uh, we started rolling. I, I'm fascinated by this. We get a lot of emails internally asking for help from Mark and Terry on, hey, would these guys be able to come out and look at my property and kind of give me some advice? And the, the reality of it is Mark and Terry have – they're just really busy on their own properties are in dad's case. I mean, he's 65, he's nearing retirement age mm -hmm. as far as wanting to go <laughs> travel and, and do these types of things. He's just not, doesn't have it in, in him. So anyways, I always give grants info out because that's what you guys actually do. So you got the growing deer TV side, but you also have this land management habitat side where he does consultations for landowners. So can you dive into that a little bit? I, I find it fascinating. And I think there's a lot of people out there that could utilize these services and help put a plan in place. Cause it's, it's like having a good, you know, with right now we're in the thick of, of the playoff season for football. It's having a good coach, you know, having mm. somebody with that big picture outlook, and then you kind of give the plan to your players and they go put it in place. Well, that's a lot of what you guys are doing. You're coming up with it. You go check out the properties and then you put a plan in place and then they go execute. And sometimes you guys are, are helping on that side too. So can you kind of take us through what exactly it is you guys do? Yeah. I'll, I'll piggyback on that illustration. Um, I played basketball and, uh, you know, I saw a lot of times coaches would take, they would try to, they'd have, they'd get players, right. They had bad habits and then they'd have to try to break those habits. Like smoking. Well, that's a lot of times what we're doing a lot of times is we're going to places where folks have tried and it hasn't worked or someone else has come in and made suggestions and, and they've spent all this money and the project just isn't getting anywhere. 
and coming in and and kind of saying, hey, this is the direction we need to go to meet your specific goals. Um, but it's so much better if there's just a clean slate and you can come in and there's no no other projects going on. You can just say, hey, this is the direction you need to go right here to meet your goals. And they just save so much time and frustration and, and money mm. and resources if, if they just kind of start fresh. And, and so we see two ends of the spectrum a lot of times. Most of the time, it is a property that's been high graded or there's they've started putting food plots in and they've kind of made some mistakes along the way or whatnot. And so we then come in and we say, we first, we ask them what their specific goals are. Not everyone wants to shoot a 200-inch deer, right? And, and for a lot of folks, that's not realistic um, to shoot that every year, right? Well, I wish, and it'd be great. But And we got folks that want to shoot, you know, mature deer every year, uh, regardless of uh, score. And then we have folks that they just want to harvest a deer to put food on the you know, table and have that organic um, meat source. And so it's, it's really understanding that person's specific goals and then bringing those tools to them and, and saying, Hey, this is, these are the projects that you could implement on your property uh, to start working towards your goals. And then we prioritize them. Um, we want we want them to start being successful at the beginning and then work towards those goals. Um, just like you would with anything else in life, you start small and, and it's just, yeah. a you know, a habit, a lifestyle and you build upon it to, to get to that end result. So that's, that's what we do. We, we visit, uh, first and really understand where they want to go. And then we, we actually have kind of two, two ways we can do it. We, we, uh, look on maps and we'll just have an hour long conversation with folks and we can tell a lot from just a map. And, and w- in that situation, folks are our, our eyes and our boots and they're telling us, Hey, this stand of timber, it was high graded 15 years ago and it's, you know, stem to stem and it's, it's just thick and nasty get in there. There's nothing on the ground, but just real thick saplings. And, and then we, we walk them through the process. Okay, in this stand, let's do some TSI. Let's maybe do some hack and squirt and, and get rid of those saplings and, and implement prescribed fire. And, and we walk them through those steps just over the phone. But it's always better to actually see the property and, and kind of see the value of the timber, um, if there is a value there, and, and walk, walk those, those hills and those valleys or um, and then put that together, not only as a habitat plan, but then a hunting plan. It, it, we're not just saying, oh, there's a, there's a flat ridge, put a food plot there. If you can't affect, if you can't get there effectively without alerting deer, why would we spend those resources there? And we, and we may just because we may need a lot of food on that property. And that's, that's where we need to have just food that's limited acreage yeah but a lot of times we're looking at it from that hunting perspective too and and so can we get there can we effectively hunt it no let, let's focus somewhere else let's put those resources somewhere else where we can actually hunt and 
tag those deer. And so that's all, that's all part of that, that planning and that design to then get deer within range of the hunter and where they can see deer and, and whatnot. So in that conversation we had off air, you were saying that you guys are, you know, it's crazy. You're booked full or you, you, you have more bookings already this year than you did all of last year. And do you think it's, and, and you said that there's a lot of like small acreages, 20, 40 acres as well. I would have thought that it would have been a couple hundred acre, you know, to a thousand acres would big landowners would be the majority of the clientele. Do you think that this run that we've had on land in the last year or two, uh, you know, cause I mean, all the property agencies out there, they're, they're having record years. And yeah. do you think that run on land has created kind of a new, landowner so to speak like you know we went through the pandemic and people are realizing look i got nowhere to go here i'm living in a subdivision and i, I got nowhere to spread my legs and 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 you know my kids to grow up and do you think it's those kind of landowners or are like what what's the kind of clientele that you're seeing absolutely we're seeing that a lot and more and more since since the pandemic there's people just trying to get out of the city and and then we're also we're seeing a lot of folks they're they're buying land kind of as they reach retirement and they're wanting to just start a new project and you know they're they're happy with a 40 or an 80 and they just want to just be out there making little hidey hole food plots and whatnot and so but definitely seeing more of the folks now than even you know two three years ago that are moving out of the city and and just buying land and and just wanting just to tag a tag a deer. Sure, I I can this is great. imagine. This is great. Yeah, yeah. The more people that they got their own land, they, they're buying in and, and focusing on hunting. There's nothing wrong with that. I keep imagining you heading out to a property and getting there and just looking around and saying, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're doing it all wrong." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what is yeah, some of the? You had a guy- we had a guy just the other day, he was looking to buy a property uh-huh. and we looked at it with him on the map and, and said, okay, yeah, this, this is a property that fits your goals. And yeah, this would be a good property to buy. A lot of times those are the best to evaluate. I mean, if you're going to put those, that that's amount huge. of resources in buying a property, maybe it's not even a property that's going to get to your goals. Yeah. And so just evaluating a property even before you buy it is a huge step in the right direction. So you'll work with people in the buying process and help consult with them on which pieces they should purchase based on their And and we'll be honest because we don't have a dog in the fight, right? Yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll say, hey, this isn't a property you should buy. This doesn't fit your goals. Talk about some peace of mind. Because, I mean, that's a huge thing for me is like, oh, what if I buy it? And it just turned like – it's an Indian burial ground and you can't do anything yeah. with it. Like it'd be nice to have uh, an objective opinion on it. Yeah. Well, Daniel, what do you see if, if you, if you could think of like maybe three common issues that you see, like here's what guys tend to always do wrong. What are some of the common threads there? Um, and don't lie. <laughs> I, I would Tim timber management is, is really one of the big things that people do. Um, they they want to 
and, and everyone's goals are different, right? Mm -hmm. But wildlife can be paired with production. But if you really want wildlife, you're going to manage your timber differently than if you want production. And a lot of times people want wildlife, but they're still managing that timber as they would for production timber. And so trying to, you know, guide people through that process and what that looks like is, is one thing that we really see a lot. And, you know, we see so much timber that has just been high graded. It's what, very low quality. What do you so mean just, when you say that? Where they, where they've come in and, you know, They've taken the best trees, those production trees, and they've just left low quality trees. High graded. And so they've, what happens there, and, and there's a lot of things that go into play there. Um, there's disturbance. When they're felling trees, the trees they're leaving, they're, you know, a wet tree that, that's green and it's fallen. It hits another tree, it's going to, you know, damage it, scar it insects disease can get into that tree and so then the trees they leave aren't aren't great trees that mm. they aren't going aren't going forward aren't meeting their then production or wildlife needs and and they've taken the best trees and now they've disturbed the soil and there's some sunlight reaching the ground and then it boom it it grows up and it's saplings and and now it's it's really a mess or there's slash on the ground and, and there's no prescribed fire being used and it's just mm. grown up and and timber if it's not managed appropriately can can be a, a big project uh, later down the road so being able to go in and manage for wildlife we have different goals um, than just taking the best trees a lot of times we want to we want to leave those good trees, remove those lower quality trees, so those best trees can then produce more timber. Or you know you have a great hunting location that that big wide oak now is receiving more sunlight because there's not competition uh, next to it um, for sunlight, water, nutrients, and that that big wide oak is now producing great tasting acorns and a lot of acorns on the years it's it's producing acorns and and you just know man that that's a that's a killing tree you, you go to that tree and there's just deer there almost every day feeding under it because now that that big white oaks just loaded so and then with that you've you've opened up the canopy and we're allowing more sunlight to reach the ground and we've got native brows high quality brows um, growing along the ground um, and that produces not only browse, but cover. So now we've got cover, we've got food, we've got trees that are receiving more sunlight, more water, nutrients. They're able to produce more wood uh, more quickly should the landowner want to harvest trees later down the road. So it, it kind of, everything works hand in hand. And, and that's kind of the habitat that it was, you know, years ago. When that when people were coming in looking and starting to cut trees, they were cutting those those virgin timbers that were those big trees mm -hmm. because there was so much sunlight, and that's because fire was on the landscape and and suppressing a lot of those lower quality trees or you know trees along the ground, and and the trees that were surviving were were thriving. 
Gotcha. Is is the tension there, like when the tension between managing for wildlife versus managing for pr- timber production, is it just because there's so much money in timber production? Um, there, there can be, um, but right now their quality timber is hard to find. So there, so you'd have to have a pretty good property that, you know, really make it worth your effort Mm -hmm. and, and the disturbance it causes and whatnot. Um, but really, and there's, there's different types, right? You have your hardwoods, you know, or you, you could have, maybe you got pine stands down the South and, and pines, gosh, everyone has grown pines and the pine production, that timber market, it's, it's tough um, to really make, make money right now. Cause everyone's cutting them all at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause everyone's put pines in at the same time. So, um, and, and while we're on pines, you know, managing pines, uh, wildlife habitat, one thing that we've found that's really effective for both timber production and habitat is doing a fifth row thinning. And then that allows those pines to, to get more sunlight. But then we'll actually, we can plant food plots down, the, down that row, mm. that fifth row. And there's enough sunlight there that now we we can pack in and use prescribed fire pines pines have a very deep root mm-hmm. and thick bark so they're they're very uh fire resistant so we can use fire and pine stands and get native vegetation underneath and now we've got native vegetation food plot native vegetation food plot and we can pack critters in and you know acreage of just quality food and habitat. We can just pack critters in and it's great hunting too. Hmm. You can just spot and stock through rows and Hmm. it's very productive and habitat and timber production is happening. Here in the Midwest, what would you consider, like you said, you know, some of the, the saplings or the trash kind of habitat that's there that you want to get rid of, what would qualify as trash habitat? Cause I, I look even on like the piece that I just bought, there's plenty of, it's really thick. They did TSI maybe five, six years ago. It sounded like, and there's areas that are really thick, but then there's areas that it looks like you wouldn't be able to even walk through there. And then I wonder like, okay, what's, what's actually thick that's good for deer habitat or what's Mm -hmm. just garbage garbage you know what's you know what do you look for what's the difference what one really comes into cedars eastern red cedar and a lot of times you hear man that's that's bedding that's cover over there but have you ever like laid down on the ground under a cedar all the time when it's cold out this winter it's cold down there there's not a lot of sunlight reaching um and it's cold under a cedar there's if a deer if that a lot of times in the midwest um just because of our management practices right cedars kind of are the best cover and and critters are going to use the best cover in the area and it doesn't mean it's quality cover or the best cover but in the area that's that's cover 
And so a lot of times you'll see deer in, in those cedar patches because that's the best cover for them. But it's very cold, um, and we can do much better getting those native grasses and forbs. We want a diversity. We want patchwork, a mosaic of species uh, throughout the landscape. Uh, you know, it's warm one day. They're going to want to find a little gap where maybe there were some forbs um, growing during the summer and in the winter. Now those forbs have kind of, they've matured and mm -hmm. kind of, now there's a little gap. So they can lay in that little hole there when it's kind of warm and still have some cover, or maybe it's really cold. And so they're going to move over to where there's a little more native grass, um, where that, that it's shear in the wind that's um, create it's gathering that radiant energy from sure. the sun and, and they're going to stay a little warm. So we kind of want that patchwork. Um, but in cedars, it's just, it's cold. The wind goes right down there. Um, yeah, we walk through it, slaps us in the face and we think, man, this is great cover, but you really got to look at that zero to three feet where, where a deer's making a living and that's, and, and other critters. That's, that's where you want to focus your habitat work is, is that three feet and below level. You're blowing my mind on the cedar comment because I always thought that was, I mean, that's one thing you always hear people talk about the bit bedding areas and thicket, you know, cedar thickets. And I'm just shocked by that, but it makes a lot of sense. So what would you do then? Would you go in and, and cut those trees down and leave them on the ground or take them out to a pile and burn them or like what do you do with all that then if you were to get rid of them we're actually we're doing that at our place right now we've, we've got a crew here and they're felling every cedar in in a couple units we have uh, 200 acres of cut cedar from two years ago that's been laying on the ground drying mm -hmm. and and we're going to be lighting a lot of fire uh this mm -hmm. winter burning those cedars and and we let them we like to fell them uh if you fell a cedar below that lowest limb, it's dead. It won't come back. If you are high and you've got a couple of limbs and you cut, uh, it'll keep growing. Okay. But below that lowest limb, you cut, let it lay for two years. Um, that way it's dry. And then you can come in with prescribed fire and, and that'll consume a lot of that cedar skeleton. And, and now sunlight's reaching the ground. Huh. And, and one thing, with letting them dry and laying on the ground for two years is that also is almost like a utilization cage, which um, we use in our food plots to, to monitor browse. But in that, in that setting of the, the habitat, those native species, when you fell that cedar, now there's some sunlight growing right there. Mm -hmm. Those native species will respond just because they're now receiving sunlight. It's mm -hmm. not uh, a cedar will, it'll take up to 40% of, of rain. So that, that 40% of sure. rain or moisture is not even reaching the ground. And so now there's sunlight reaching the ground, there's more water reaching the ground, and those native species will grow up right there. And, and deer don't wanna just stick their head down in a you know felled cedar. So it almost acts like a utilization cage where those native species can start growing, create mm. seed, mature, and now you've kind of got this seed banks going. And in most places, there's already a, a great native seed bank in the soil. It just needs to be released. 
um, with some sunlight fire. So, so when you fell these cedars, you're talking like there might be three feet of stump there, two, three feet of stump there before the first branches. That's fine. If, if there is, I'm still just, just cut it right, you know, close to the ground. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to leave. You don't want to be looking at stump three field. feet of stump. Well, out that's there. what I was wondering. Okay. Well, some cedars, some, you know, even the small ones, um, uh, you know, you're going fast or whatnot, and you you hit it, and there's a really low limb. It's it's still going to keep going if that if there's that low limb there. Huh. If you were good and the another chance, thing, you could cut like two years. Another thing, waiting for that two years is you may miss some of those smaller cedars, or there may be another cedar that comes up. You can when you hit it with that fire, that fire will terminate those those really small cedars. Sweet. It's cold under cedars for thermal cover. It's also extremely lonely under a cedar. <laughs> Depressing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Most importantly. Uh, exactly. Mm. I got stories. And, and it's and it's very easy for predators to visually scan through cedars. You know, you got you got deer laying under cedars. A coyote can weave through there and, and they can scan pretty easily while using the wind and whatnot, but visually it's, it's usually very bare under cedars. You can see quite a ways, so it's easy for predators to to make a living too. So would you, I mean, you know, if there's a cedar thicket on your property, you would go in and cut those trees down, huh? It, it's, uh, you know, we go back to meeting the specific goals and, and what's not, but a lot of times, yeah, you can get much better habitat than than cedars. Huh. And a lot of times, and and we go back to that hunting. How's that paired to hunting? Well, if you got a block of cedars on your eighty, and it butts up next to your buddy, who's, you know, he likes to hunt and he kind of knows what you're doing in there. We may fell all those cedars, but leave a buffer right next to that that property line mm-hmm. so no one can look in and you know maybe you've got a food plot in there and whatnot or you've got native habitat but you use those cedars as, as a buffer right along the property line um so yeah you kind of design it to fit your goals scott just walked past here and uh, scott helps me out on the farms and amongst the billion other things and he's been telling me he, that we need to Cut these cedars down. So he walked by, just like <laughs> very vindicated. Scott, <laughs> you guys are gonna be doing some cutting and burning pretty soon. Yeah. So we got we got a lot of projects <laughs> to do. No doubt. I, I, is there a time? So you said you guys are doing that right now. Is there a better time of the year? You know, this is the best time of year to go in and and cut down cedars, or is there a better time? Or you know, is there? A, a couple month time frame there that you're looking at and you can you can cut cedars anytime right now is a very pleasant time to be in the woods rather than i mean mm. you cutting cedars is hard work and it's it's itchy and yeah and so and you're going to work up a sweat for sure so a lot of times right now is a great time uh, you know you kind of post post hunting season and um you get in there and doing some habitat work but you could cut cedars uh year round the first christmas that my wife and i were together i went out in the woods with our chocolate lab with my saw and i found we had no pine trees around so i cut a big eastern red cedar 
And by the time I got done putting the garland on it, my forearms were like all red and and like puffy and it it was a huge Great experience. I saved like thirty bucks on not having to yeah. buy a Christmas tree that year. Sounds, sounds about right. It was also huge. <laughs> <laughs> the scale outside doesn't quite it's not rel it's not relevant to indoors and had to chop it's it down. It's not going in our house, Russ. It's going in our living room. <laughs> right. It was it was probably twelve feet when I got back to the house. I was like, yeah, I should probably chop this thing off a little bit. They don't make great Christmas trees. If there's anything people take away from this episode, don't use a red cedar as a Christmas tree. Good to know. Yep. Yep. Should we help our buddy Vinny with the question of the day? Oh, Vinny. Let's do it. The question of the day is probably brought to you by Cold Steel, professional blades for real hunters. Yeah, here's my question of the day. Uh, when you guys take somebody hunting with you, do you find that there's extra pressure for them for yeah for them to kill a deer uh because of who you guys are <laughs> wow um, i think i explained it pretty good it and i think you understand it sounds but, pretty threatening uh, <laughs> i think still... there would be extra pressure people would be expecting more out of you guys because of who you are well so uh that's my uh, question of the day all right, Vinny, thank I you. I hope I'm famous. Oh. Not really. You're famous now, Vinny. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> Is Vinny on the line? God damn. <laughs> Vinny never stops. <laughs> Gives you enough pauses, you think he's done. So I would say if you're, if you're going to you're hunt good. with Tim or Matt, your expectations should be low going into it. Because my expectations are low that I'm going to get you on a tier. Yeah. I can't get on a tier. How am I going to get you on a tier? <laughs> now, if you're going with Dr. Grant or you're going with Mark or Terry, maybe the expectations that you have going in are, I'm going to see a 200-inch tier. <laughs> yes. And, I, I mean, I could speak for Terry. Like, he took grandma hunting three or four times this year, and they never did kill a buck. And, yeah. and he, she could have killed anything she wanted. It's not for, you know, like he was saying, oh, you can't shoot three, this two-year-old. <laughs> there was no restrictions. Yeah. She could have killed whatever she wanted, and and they never did get on a deer. So uh, she killed several does. Why Mark is her favorite son. That's exactly right. Yeah. She kept referencing... <laughs> That maybe we should go back to Mark's. <laughs> no, it's cool, Mom. We'll get it figured out. Yeah. So I'd say Mark is basically like an outfitter. I mean, the guy is so dialed in. Yeah. He, his expectations are if he has a guest in, they're going to kill a deer. And he, he's that good and he's that dialed in that he, that's pretty much how mm -hmm. it always goes, plays out. Yeah. You go to Terry's. Eh, most of the time they kill something, but you know, you, you never know. You come to Matt or Tim. I mean, this is, you're going down this. You hill. might get hurt on one of our hunts. Well, Scott, yeah, that's right. Like, you never know. Like last year I took my, uh, I guess it'd be two falls ago. Now I took my nephew, Nolan, he was yeah, home yeah. for the air force and he had for Christmas, he had one day to hunt and he came to hunt with me and we killed the deer that, you know, I you're like that's how you do it, yeah, folks. We we could do no wrong that year. <laughs> if he would have hunted with me this year, <laughs> it would different have been story. A real, it would have been ugly. To well, be honest. And, and there there is there is a at least on my part there is a perceived amount of pressure <coughs> because time is valuable. 
Yeah. And so someone is taking time to come hunt with you. And so, yeah, I mean, even if I just, I normally don't have a camera guy, but when I, but especially when I have a camera guy with me, I feel like I need to have a really good chance of killing a deer here. Cause I don't want to waste their time, yeah. let alone someone that comes to hunt with me. Well, we had Nathan Davis come hunt with uh, Scott and I this year and he had reached out to me and, and, um, he, you know, he was from my hometown and I, I told him right out of the gate. I said, now listen, your expectations of killing a buck, because he said, I just haven't ever killed a, a really, really good one. I want to kill a good buck. I'm like, well. I'm Adriary, not Vidriary. <laughs> that's basically what I said. I'm like, you got to bring your expectations down <laughs> yeah. to the basement cellar level, <laughs> and I will do my best, <laughs> but I can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I even said, I'm like, I have a hard enough time killing a deer. <laughs> like, I would love nothing more for yeah, you to kill you the best buck expectations. on the property. But if we saw a buck, I would be shocked. <laughs> so I don't know, Daniel. You guys ever do you run into? Do you guys take many people hunting? I'm sure you get requests all the time. But I know that Dr. Grant's uh, daughter hunts with you all a lot. And is, are there any guests that aren't part of the camper family that you take hunting? We're we're in the same boat, um, man. We have we have such a hard time even seeing deer here in Southern Missouri um it's it's so difficult just for grant myself his daughters just to see a deer get on deer it's it's very difficult we stay busy it takes us the entire season to to maybe see a deer so man for us it's taking someone yeah there would be a lot of pressure not not on us but just saying Hey, this this is pretty. This is a typical hunt in the Ozarks. Um, we didn't see anything. You will <laughs> so, see some squirrels. Uh, yeah, I mean, the pressure's not. The pressure's just letting, making sure they understand. Like this is a this is a mountain Ozark hunt. Mm-hmm. Just because you do it professionally doesn't mean that there's a deer around every corner. <laughs> no, no, and and in some cases for us, I mean it. it deer learn very quickly where hunters are and man taking someone hunting they come if if you bring someone they're they're here for a day you know a specific day or two and the conditions aren't right to hunt those spots where the deer are right and so you're like this we can't go where the the deer are because the conditions aren't right to get in there um so yeah we have to just be very um, limited on our, our access and, and where we're hunting and always trying to think about the next hunt too. And who's, who's going to be hunting next. And so, yeah, there's, it's, it's a lot of work just to see a deer for sure. When my friends, Chance and Melissa came up to hunt with me back in October, Chance was like, Oh, I hope I don't kill the safe buck this morning. I was like, you're not on the property where the safe buck is brother. So there's no chance of that happening. Pretty safe. But you're not <laughs> yes. If you see him, shoot him. I don't care. You won't. <laughs> Joke's on you. Chance. <laughs> Sucker. Now that being said, you did get, you did do something. Chance, who's an outfitter, was unable <laughs> yes. to do in 20 years. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that happened within like the first forty-five minutes of the sit. So Boom. Melissa killing her buck. It's like, yep, that's how you do it. 
Just act, just just act like you've been there before, Tim. Just be cool about it. <laughs> don't, don't. don't act surprised. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> what? I can't believe this. I didn't know there were any deer out here. Holy <laughs> cats. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let's let's roll into the wildlife word. It is brought to you by Tracker Off-Road. Ooh, the rugged power to get the job done. It's about coyotes. Coyotes have been known to mate with domestic dogs, creating what's known as koi dogs. But what other species are they known to mate with? You sure it's koi dogs? Should it be kai dogs? No. Mm. Okay, move on. (laughs) (laughs) Is it A, lake sturgeon, B, blue jays, C, black rat snakes, or D, wolves? What other species are they likely to mate with? I would have put cats in there. That's <laughs> disgusting. Okay. Why would you say that? Cats and dogs. <laughs> Marrying each other. That's, like That's Ghostbusters. Third. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> it is. All right. So we always let the guests go first. This one uh, should be a gimme. If you don't get this right, I'm telling Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say wolves. Okay. Yeah, yeah, me too. Wolves. I don't know. Lake Sturgeon. <laughs> That'd be tough. It'd be pretty fetching. But you guys are right. Yes, it is wolves. Referred to as koi wolves when it happens. Seriously? For reals. So how often does that, I mean. 13 times a year. Okay. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> But it can happen. All right. So koi dogs and koi wolves. I mean, it's 2022. There's Man. no rules anymore. No. I wonder if they call themselves they. (laughs) (laughs) What what is your pronoun? (laughs) Oh, we live in a crazy world. You guys are probably doing a lot of predator hunting right now, aren't you? A lot of trapping. Trapping. Okay. Folks, we got a few days left. I think we're up to 97 predators. Oh, my. Wait, on one property? Yep. Holy crap. You ever catch a guy with a... With a like a pack of Mike's Hard Lemonade. Ah, yeah. Okay, Sorry, we were doing so well. Sorry, I'm trying to be better in 2022. You're failing. It's early in the year. I yeah. got time. <laughs> That's a lot. Like so, I, you've got pelts behind you right there in in the yeah. room. Um, like, what's the like? Is there any value to pelts right now? It's it's low. Uh, gosh, a, a really good raccoon. Um, we we looked it up the other day. Maybe two and a half dollars. Oh, oh my goodness! Check. I'll um, give you three. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, the fur the fur market is is not great right Damn now. Peta. and that's is. that affects that that has a lot of rippling effect throughout the the wildlife management part. Yeah. Um, and as, as wildlife managers, um, trapping, man, it's, it is a great tool. And, and unfortunately throughout the you know entire landscape, there's not a lot of trappers anymore because they just, they can't pay for fuel and, and their expenses. And it's up to us wildlife managers to, to trap. And, and not only we're, we're not just, we're not trying to, we're not going to remove every, every predator mm-hmm. off the landscape it's it's not that man we just we hate predators we're, we we want to not see them at all it's not that's not it. we, we want to balance um 
and a balance of prey and balance of predators. And, and right now we're seeing an imbalance, a lot of predators, and that's affecting our prey species um, in a lot of ways. Our, our, our songbirds, um, quail, pheasant, uh, and and even turkeys. And, and, and that's not only predators, but habitat loss. And, and there's a lot of factors there. But as wildlife managers, we're trying to improve the habitat and we have to use trapping as a tool. So you know, we, we do that as much as we can. You know, it's bad when I'm in, I live in a residential neighborhood and I have a little sliver of common ground, like trash timber behind must me. Be rich. Yeah. And uh, it's common ground. It's not Matt's ground. <laughs> so anyways, the other day on, on the, we have a neighborhood. I don't know if I told the story or not. We have a neighborhood Facebook page and oh, you I must want, be rich. <laughs> No, you don't want to be on that page, let me tell you. I'm sure it's just a bunch of griping. It's brutal. A lot of people with a lot of time on their hands. Uh, apparently. A- anyways, so a lady's like, hey, just ahead to this broad daylight. This is the probably 2 o'clock, lunch, 2 o'clock, somewhere in there. She's like, hey, watch out. There's two coyotes running down the street through the neighborhood. They, they you know, All these people have little dogs and you know stuff like that. And so they're like, watch out for your pets. And um, I-, I thought... There's no way <laughs> because one time a neighbor of mine put on the Facebook page, there was a wolf. She saw a wolf and it was, a, it was a fox. She saw a wolf. And, I mean, uh, same thing. So I'm like, all right, let's, I wonder what's actually running down the two, you know, German shepherds. It's a Walmart bag. <laughs> so, anyways. So my wife went out on the back deck and uh, she, she looked back in the kitchen. She goes, come out here, come out here. So I go out there. Sure. Shit. They're standing there underneath this. There's a big, um, tree house that the kid, neighbor, neighbor kids put up in this common ground. Uh-huh. They're standing under it. It's like 20 feet from my deck. And one is like a big female. The other yeah. one looked a little ratty and I was like, Holy crap. So I got on the deck. Of course you can't shoot them. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know, sure. It, what I wanted to go on the Facebook page and say is like, I could take care of this if you guys want me to, but there's going to be a couple gunshots. <laughs> yeah. <know>. Shots fired. <laughs> and so uh, obviously you can't do any of that. So <sighs> I, I go out there and I'm just like, hey, because they're heading, I live right next to Justin Lurk. He's right Never next heard to of him. him. And so anyways, they got a small dog. So uh-huh. these coyotes were headed right to his house. And so anyways, I was like, well, I'm going to spook them back into the timber. And I go down there and I start yelling at them. And they look at me like, screw you, buddy. Just like your kids. They're domesticated coyotes. They They do not care about human intrusion. Like I think think about any time I've ever seen a coyote in the woods, like they fly out of there you yeah. can't get a shot off hardly if you're you know bow hunting and one walks up and you're trying to get get a shot off it's just crazy how their senses are these two they looked at me and they just kind of like slowly turned around and trotted off like looking back like derisively we'll, we'll be back yeah. <laughs> douchebag yeah yeah and that is like that is a major problem across the u.s i mean there are coyotes that live in metropolitan areas they're just so adaptable yeah and 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 they're i mean they're almost like deer and that they can adapt to human presence yeah it's becoming an issue yeah for sure we should also mention like trapping st louis would not be here if it weren't for trapping st louis the city was almost literally built on the trapping industry yeah the gateway to the west thank you (laughs) this is really a historical show (laughs) little known fact saint genevieve 
where kind of where we grew up. It's the oldest settlement west of the Mississippi, Tim. Wow. Did you know I, that? No, I didn't. I did know that it's named after a female saint because anytime there's an E after the, the S-T-E indicates yeah. that it's a feminine saint. I did not know that. So there you go. It's a French <laughs> settlement. We should stop trying to one-up each other because we're quickly going to run out of facts. I'm out right <laughs> yes, now. I'm done too. <laughs> Daniel, if folks want to follow Growing Deer TV, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Um, we, we produce a, a show every Monday, um, every week out of the year. Mm. And, and depending on our con- you know, what we have coming down the pipe on content, um, we may do a bonus episode midweek. And, and then we're, of course, posting on social media current stuff, what, what we're seeing in the field, what we've, what we've trapped that day or the bait we're using on the trap line, catch critters. So um, we kind of share those, those daily updates there as well. Or they just Google growingdeer.tv and it'll come up. You guys I think is- we're, this is our 12th year. I think we're like on episode 679, nice. 680 this week. So, so it's not a flash in the pan. <laughs> huh. I, these guys are here to stay. One of the things I really appreciate about your guys' videos is I never quite know what I'm going to get. It could be something habitat. It could be hunting. It could be deer biology. You guys did a great video on shot grant looked at i think maybe you both oh, yeah. looked at shot placement on a deer with its head down feeding yeah. or up and alert and i was like my goodness this is just i wouldn't even thought about that yeah uh so just just the the perspectives that you guys have are really interesting spoiler alert don't shoot at one with the head down yeah <laughs> i would well, not, not the, that. that was the theme of it right if i remember the video correct. yeah correct Basically, they're like loaded springs, their legs. <laughs> they're getting the heck out of it. Yeah, yeah, which is counterintuitive. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of factors at play, but yeah, just when you've, you look at all the past footage of, you know, deer reacting and, and whatnot, it, it's those deer with their heads down, it, it's almost, they can't move faster than the speed of gravity, but it's almost as they bring their head up, they can almost like, leverage their their yeah. shoulders a little more and so yeah it, they can drop a lot quicker when you look on camera you can see how much a deer can react and how quickly in the moment we shoot our eyes just can't take it in and and a lot of times we just we shoot right over their back and the deer reacted and we go what happened i missed and man your shot could have been great but that deer just reacted and you just can't take that in in the moment and Grant's exact words were dropped it like it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Daniel, thanks for hopping on and putting up with us, man. We appreciate it. Ah, thanks for thanks for having me. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody t- tuning in for another fantastic edition of 100% Wild Podcast. Even you can't bring yourself to say. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, if you like the show, we need you to subscribe. We need you to leave a favorable rating yeah that helps we love five stars five stars to maybe get your red on the air you become famous like Vinny. huge
Vinny, prepare for a totally different lifestyle, brother. Yeah, you're about to get famous. You're balling, as they say on the streets. <laughs> Wanna be a baller, shakala. <laughs> Tim has no idea. He's an old school. Is country. that a rap song? Yeah. I love rap L- songs. Little Troy. Huh. All them rappers got little names. <laughs> Lil Curtis. Lil Curtis. <laughs> I talked to Lil Curtis on the phone this uh, yeah. yesterday, two days ago. Yeah. Trying to schedule something, have Lil Curtis come Uh-oh. in. Oh. Gonna do big things, little curse. <laughs> All right, we, we should. Leave. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Peace out. Temperatures are gonna be dropping. Perfect conditions for the skinny. Yeah, I gotta focus on those afternoon hunts. Northwest Tree Stand, 5 p.m. It's the easiest decision you'll make this season. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast. That's and why Grant had you do the show. <laughs> <laughs> he had better things to do. Grant, they told us that our entire show is a lie because it's not on TV. Can you believe that? <laughs>